Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikulskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. I'm joined by Jenna Evans-Welch, who is the author of the brand new novel, it's a new, it's a YA novel, Spells for Lost Things. Uh, Jenna is also the New York Times bestselling author of Love and Gelato, which is now a Netflix movie. And, you know, Jenna, I think you are, I, I'm, I'm late to the game on YA stuff. You've been riding this wave for several years now. Where's the YA market gone before we get into this specific book? Because I, it's just exploded, and you're part of it. Yes, I'm actually thrilled with how it has exploded. Um, I'm 36, and when I was growing up in the 90s, I remember being so disappointed by this tiny little shelf that was in my local library. Um, there just really were not these novels. And honestly, it's probably good that I grew up then and not now, because I don't know if I would have done anything except read. Um, but I'm absolutely thrilled by the quality and the quantity and all the many issues that are being addressed by YA novels. I think it's just wonderful, and I'm thrilled to be part of it. Well, with spells for lost things, you know, you can you can do these YA things and make them fantasy and all that stuff. But as I read this book, I really took away a lot of depth of the characters. Can you kind of set the story up and where you wanted the characters to go with it and explain a lot of these issues for YA readers? Thank you. Yes, um, I always want to. I'm always trying to create a very like fun, engaging experience, but I'm always wanting to address bigger issues because I think all teenagers are dealing with their own individual problems and I want them to be able to see themselves and see depth in these characters. So Spells for Lost Things is a dual point of view, so it's about two main characters. Um, Mason has been in foster care in and out for about 10 years. Um, all he wants is to get back with his mother who's been dealing with drug addiction. Um, and then Willow is a young woman who feels very estranged from her family. Um, her parents have divorced, she's not close to her mother. And she learns that her mother has not been forthright about her past. She has a twin sister that Willow has never heard of, and um, she's recently passed away, and they go to Salem, Massachusetts to settle the estate. Um, it's a family curse involved. The two of them come together, and there's a lot of exploration of home and belonging and kind of charting their own paths. Um, and I cared a lot about their relationship with each other. I always want to show relationships that are healthy and that can grow in really natural ways. I love the idea of Salem, Massachusetts. My sister lived there in Massachusetts and had visited the place. And so I uh, had visited Salem and went through all the, the history there. That's got to be just an absolute go a goldmine of, 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 of literature and inspiration to write about with the history of that town. Is that about how it worked for you? Yes, absolutely. It's funny. I knew that I would be writing about contemporary witches, and I tried for a few months to kind of resist Salem because I thought, oh, that's too obvious. <laughs> and then when I got there, I thought, why on earth did I resist this? It's so, there's so many layers, and I think there's a lot, of, even with its very tragic past, I think there's a lot of joy there around, like, magic and self-determination, and I had such a fantastic time visiting, and I think it is so fascinating that there were no witches there, you know, in the 1600s when the Salem Witch Trials happened, um, but now it's become this gathering place for people who are wanting to practice magic. I think it's so fascinating. It, uh, when you set about studying that, and you know, you have to open your eyes, you have to go in there with your eyes wide open and can't come in with any preconceived notions, but I'm sure you had the idea of the story in your head before you visited. Did the idea of the story change once you visited Salem? Um, yes, it did. You know, I, my stories, I try hard to plan them. I've done this every time. This is my fourth novel, and I just can't do it. The stories tend to end up in a completely different place than I even imagined. 
Um, so Salem, setting is always such an important part of my story, so it really shaped a lot of the novel once I was there and was getting a feel for what YA characters would be doing in a place like this. There was also some discussion, in the, well, not discussion, it was part of the book about the divorce, and I, I've experienced, you know, kids who've gone through divorce and grew up with that and all that, but when you sit down and try to get in the mind of a teenager and how a divorce affects them, can you explain what you do to try to put yourself into that mindset as an adult? Because it's, even if you experience divorce as a child and you're now an adult, it's changed. Yeah, that's a great question. Um... I think that my teen years are fairly easy for me to access. I realize as I'm talking to other adults, which makes sense, as this is you know what I've chosen to do. Um, but I, I always try to think about the fact that probably every child's experience is going to be different. Um, and I tend to spend a lot of time reading articles about how kids, you know, how to how kids can handle these types of situations. And then I also try to find individual kids' voices, um, maybe on forums or talking to kids around me, just trying to figure out what things felt like to them. And if I can get a few specifics, it feels like I'm able to drop into their mindset fairly well. I'm talking with Jenna Evans-Welch about her brand new novel, Spells for Lost Things. It's available everywhere. It's a YA novel. And if you've never read Jenna before, go check out Love and Gelato because it's now a movie on Netflix. But as always, the movie's never as good as the book. So check out the book first and, you know, give the movie a, <laughs> give the movie a look. Jenna, when you write YA, I'm sure stories pop into your head all the time. And, you know, if I would say if you can write, you can write anything. Are there stories that come into your mind and you say, I want to make this into a YA novel, but are some stories trickier than others to, to make into YA just because of the genre and the readers? You know, I think that why is what comes most naturally to me, um, but I have fought hard for every single one of my books. I, I don't feel like any part of the process is easy for me. Um, I'm usually struggling with characters, with plot, with emotion, and honestly, it always feels a little bit like a miracle when it comes together. Can the characters have a certain degree of naivety that is present in all children and does that help as far as the creative process goes and allow you to do more things rather than an adult with a fully fully formed uh, you know human mindset yeah and you know I think that's really important I have read many YA novels where I thought oh they just put an adult into a teenage situation um, I think part of the joy of writing about teenagers and for teenagers is that so many things are happening for the first time when you're a teenager. And I, you know, I think we think back on our teen years and our childhood so often because of that specific reason is that so many things, that it's almost like the colors are brighter, right? Every single thing you're experiencing is happening for the first time and it feels a bit more intense. Um, so I think it's important to keep the child in these YA um, stories and to make sure that you know, the, the kid doesn't know everything. Something else that I like about your YA novels is, as I look at the covers of all of them, you don't have any characters actually on the covers. And I think that, for me, it's kind of funny to not put into my mind what a character may look like, because I like the fact that how I picture your characters is probably not how you picture them or how anybody else pictures them. Is there some thought that goes into that to, to leave the creativity in the minds of the reader? Yeah, you know, my publisher is the one who handled the design, and I've loved the designs of all of them. Um, and, yeah, I like the simplicity, and I also love that. I love that you can, you know, imagine a character however you want, and that it's, it's a different experience for each person. 
What's the experience like seeing your own work uh, in a different medium on Netflix? It's pretty incredible to watch a response to something that you created. Um, the film is very different from my book. It, it, it has you know different plot lines, different setting. It's it's very different, but it was wonderful to see the heart of the story come through, the father and daughter bonds, all of that. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting experience, something that I hoped for for a long time. Is it something when you watch YA movies that is is the YA movie market exploding like the literary market is? You know, I really think that it is, especially on Netflix. I feel like there have been so many wonderful YA films. And I will say that the YA readers are very passionate about their characters and their stories. So we hear from them a lot if they think they got it right or didn't get it right. Um, so I'm glad that these stories are making it to film and that they've become, you know, so important to the readers. Are younger readers critical of YA authors? Well, and particularly yourself, do you hear from kids that say, uh, A, B, C, D, I didn't like this, or this would never happen, that type of thing? Or are they, because I know adult readers seem to have no problem reaching out to a writer and saying, you got this wrong, this gun wouldn't fire this many bullets, or things like that. You know, honestly, I don't hear from that a lot. I do tend to hear from kids who say, oh, this felt exactly like me, which is always the greatest compliment. Um, I think that they may be more open to, you know, the possibilities of things turning out different ways. Their minds might be a little bit more flexible. So I think it is a great age group to write for and to hear from. I know you live out in Utah in the Salt Lake City area. What's the writing community like there? There are actually a lot of writers here. Um, there are many in just kind of south of where I live, and there are a lot of fantasy writers, which I find is really interesting. So, yeah, lots of writers, lots of excited readers. Do you have to keep your ideas guarded, or is everybody pretty open about what they're doing when you talk to other writers? Uh, we're pretty open. I think that that makes the most sense. Um, there's so many ideas out there, and honestly, we're all retelling the same stories in some ways. So I've never felt concerned about guarding my ideas. And that's always fascinating to me is that, you know, I, I try to, you know, I've always got this idea in my mind to write the great American novel. I think a lot of people always do that, oh, yeah. but they always seem to pick the wrong thing to write about when they do that also. But, you know, the, the, the ideas that you have, are they really all that different that you can't, that, that there's a risk that, uh, that there's not a risk that you try to do something that's already been done before? You know, I, I finally came to the realization that everything has already been done before. There's, I think it's a Mark Twain quote where he said something like, every story is already in the Bible, <laughs> which helped me because I felt like it gave me some freedom. Um, I think that what we're actually doing when we're writing is we are just showing the world through our particular lens. And so even if, you know, we've told the story of, you know, boy meets girl or boy meets boy or, you know, if we've told those stories a million times, it's coming through our lens and through our perspective. And that's what makes it unique to the readers. All right. The book is Spells for Lost Things by Jenna Evans-Welch. The book's available everywhere. And if you haven't picked up any of Jenna's stuff, check out Love and Gelato, Love and Luck, Love and Olives. They are all available everywhere. Jenna, I just love this book. I thought it was just a fantastic story, and I thank you for joining me to talk about it. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for reading it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. Do you-